So um, just like Shane said, I, I grew up in church, and I don't. I know when we are uh, in a group like this with this number that we have a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, when I say, did you go to church and what was your experience like? You know, I'm going to get a bunch of different responses back. In my, uh, in my background, we went to Catholic uh, church for uh, the beginning part of my life and my parents got radically saved. Uh, and then we started going from, to, from Catholic church to a Pentecostal church, which is like, they might as well be, they're, they're nothing alike. <laughs> they're nothing alike, you know? Uh, so I, I, I'm sure that as I'm speaking, I ask you, like, what was your church background like? Uh, it, it may look a lot like mine. It may not. And it may not. Um, but I can tell you growing up in church. So my dad was a pastor, uh, uh, at, at several, at several churches. Um, <clears throat> And I, and so I grew up loving Jesus. I grew up loving the Lord. I believe in God. Um, but it's funny because, and I think no matter what background you have, you're going to have, you're going to relate to this. It's possible to love Jesus, to have given your life over to Christ and inside be struggling. Cause I think sometimes there's this thought that when I give my life to Jesus, when I surrender my life to God, all these hidden things that I've been struggling struggling with will dissipate and it will and it will go away. Um, and I would say that uh, that didn't happen for me. Uh, I was uh, I would say I was spiritually afflicted around the age of fourteen, and I was struggling in my private life probably all the way up until my twenties. That is a long time to struggle, and I would say. Again, that I love Jesus and I love the Lord. Um, but sometimes there are thoughts and there are things that get embedded into our heart and our minds or our soul. And, um, and it's a lie. Some of these things are just lies and we just believe this, uh, about ourselves. And I want to, I want to share just a part of my story because I, I really do believe some of you guys will relate. When, uh, so, I gave my life, I, get, I kept, you know how you are when you're young, you keep giving your life to Christ. Because as you get older, you understand what the commitment is, so you keep you know, reaffirming that back to Christ. But at the age of 15, um, I remember distinctly saying, God, you can have everything I have. You can have my life, you can have my thought life, especially my thought life, uh, and you can have my, my talents, uh, you can even have the bad. And I, and I gave it over to the Lord. But like I said, I was tormented and nobody knew. I was tormented in my mind. And to say in my mind's eye, that's how I was interpreting my life. I felt, oh, I felt like there was something inherently wrong with me inside that wouldn't command uh, loyalty towards me and a friendship. Does that make sense? I think, uh, I think there are people here who understand that to not feel, uh, completely loved. Uh, I hesitate to say this, but it's the truth. Um, <clears throat> I was so consumed with insecurity and self-doubt 
that by the time I was probably 18, in my mind's eye, I said, Adam, you're never going to have children. You're never going to get married. You're not going to make it past 30. And by that, I mean, you know, that I would fix that for myself. <clears throat> I would repeat to myself because in my frustration, I would just say, nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. <clears throat> and so have you ever been caught in a thought? That was what Pastor Shane asked. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before that. You ever caught a thought? And so that was my thought. I literally felt um, uh, this was true about myself. Uh, so I started off with the thought, you're not good enough for a few years, and it morphed into nobody loves you to you won't make it past 30. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We, sh we talked about that a week or two ago. And this privately, with no one understanding who I was, is what I was struggling. And I did this, I did this through all of youth group, uh, and I went to missions trips, and I was playing on the worship team. Um, and then when I, I got older, I was an intern. And then, believe it or not, I was um, a young, uh, young adult pastor. We did a service called Sojourn. And this strand of thought was harassing me for more than 10 years. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to fail. I didn't think I was going to make it. And you may be asking, like, where did this even come from? Where did this stupid thought come from? And I'm going to tell you, because I believe this is where all lies come from. It comes from something so stupid, so um, benign. And sometimes we're not, sometimes we don't have any control of when we're vulnerable. But I was in class at school. I was, um, well, I must have been a freshman. And I, I'm talented in a lot of things, but math is not, <laughs> that's not my gift, right? So um, often, I don't know if you do this, perhaps you're doing this now, but I know that sometimes I'll just zone out, right? So if it was a subject I didn't like, math, I would just like, I would doodle, I would listen. And then before I knew it, I didn't know, I didn't know what the teacher was talking about because I didn't care. I wasn't engaged. Uh, so the teacher called on me in front of everyone and asked to give me an answer, uh, give an answer to a question, a question that I wasn't even like paying attention to. And the class in my mind's off. I remember this correctly. It got real quiet and I gave what I thought was the answer. And the teacher was like, nope, try it again. And she made me work the problem in front of every, in front of everyone. Um, but I had no idea what I was talking about. And I distinctly remember in this class, one of the bullies on the other side said something very mean, very, I wouldn't say it because not appropriate, that said something very derogatory and very mean towards me. And everyone laughed. That was it. That was it. And you know what? Instead of saying, what a jerk, that was a bully. In my, in, within myself, I said, you're right. You're right. I'm not good enough. And that's where it came. That's where that thought originated. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Everyone laughed. 
you know, I don't know if you've ever been shamed in front of people, but the shame doesn't end in the classroom. That means when I got up and went through the halls, it was walking with me. Shame was with me. Uh, when I went into the next classroom, it was all I could think about. You know, it it's so funny because it it informed my personality. It informed the way I related to people. It informed the way I thought I was being funny and showing care. And what it formed in me was sarcasm, right? And I thought sarcasm was funny. But because of this, this hurt, um, it, just, it just wrecked me. And I didn't even know it wrecked me. But I believed something about myself I kind of thought. And it was poison. Uh, and isn't that what it is? Like these thoughts usually come from a from a little bit of truth, which is true. Like I wasn't good at math. <laughs> you got me, you know. <laughs> but but you add a little a little thin lie to truth, and it's not truth anymore. Isn't that what it means uh, for something to be perverse? So you take something that's true and you bend it a little bit. And soon it's not what it was. But there's truth mixed in there. I'm not good at math. I'm still not good at math. Crystal does our budget. Thank you. <laughs> it's a true story. So, uh, uh, but the lie is like, you're never going to be good at any of these things, right? I'll never be good enough. But here's the thing, what I didn't understand is that I could be terrible at math and be an awesome person at the same time, right? Also, I could get better at math, right? But that was an option uh, when I was 14, 15, 16. Uh, I want to go to 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, and 5. This is another scripture we discussed uh, in the last few weeks. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen, uh, what I know is that when God is for you, if God is in you, and you say yes to Christ, you're empowered to bring every thought into captive. I don't know why that truth didn't land uh, on my life at the time, even though I was going to church, but it, it never, it never, I never made that connection. A stronghold, as you can see here, uh, is an idea that you just cannot let go about yourself or a situation. That was me. That was just, it was just something. If someone said, you're brilliant, Adam, I would have probably been like, that's funny. Okay. It wouldn't have landed the way it should have landed because I was so invested in this hideous thing about myself. Uh, and again, here, we're talking about arguments and high things. Uh, the high thing is any uh, false idea that tries to override what God is saying in your life. I have observed two types of strongholds uh, in my uh, walk with Christ. And I want to talk about them. The first one, is a stronghold supported by experience, and that was me. And I feel like a lot of us who feel 
they can't move forward is usually because something happened in your past that says like, don't do it again because you're going to fail. Right? So I had, you can go to the next one, uh, Ty. Uh, so I had a few that I was thinking about in relationships. Maybe, maybe you blew it. Maybe you blew it as a, as a, as a father or a spouse. You're saying to yourself, I'm a terrible parent. I'm unable to connect, to connect with my family. And then you just leave it there. Like, that's it. That's who I am. I'm, ter- I'm a terrible uh, uh, spouse. I'm a terrible father. The second thing that I've noticed, and I've certainly have seen it with me, is this emotional security. I was never loved, so I can never truly love. I can never experience pure love. And, you know, um, people get hurt. And people get involved in a relationship that they shouldn't be in. Right? And then we get banged up and abused emotionally. And we think, you know what, I, I'm just a bag of dirt. That's all I am. People, people abuse me any old way. And so this is, so I have nothing to give. Right? The third thing I see is pe- people's uh, a stronghold of uh, a bad future where you just say, I, I have no vision for my life. So I'll never really be successful. And if I experience success, it's going to be short-lived because I don't know how to maintain it. I can't, I can't live in that kind of holding, right? And I've seen this a lot, um, spiritual affirmation issue, where we feel like it's our pastors and church leaders who call out our destinies. Um, and they, so you say things like, church leadership doesn't believe in me. I'll never grow in this church, right? But I would say to you, because I feel like we've all experienced some sort of things that, see, God has a better word than the stronghold in our mind. You know, and in terms of, uh, in terms of relationships, this is God has a better word. I think we can go to the next one. Lord, God is saying this to you. If you're struggling with this, God says, I have empowered you to be a, bil- a bridge builder between you in your family. If you're a terrible family member, today's the day where that changes. God can, God can touch your life right now and the bridge can start to, uh, to be built. Healing is there for your family. I don't know how long that'll take. Sometimes for some people, it's like overnight. And then sometimes uh, God, God builds a relationship and strength between family members over time. <clears throat> but it will happen. Uh, I want to talk about emotional security. What does God have to say about that? The Lord says that you are loved, and I have loved you. I have known you since before you were born. You were created to be loved. In fact, you can love purely because I have loved you purely. Our future. What does God say about that? You don't think you have vision? You can't be successful? What God is saying, I am the vision that you're looking for. You're looking through all, through all of these things. 
But if you look at me, I will be the spiritual contact that I can put on your eyes to be able to see the way I see you and the things around you. The Lord is saying, I have commissioned you to live victoriously each and every day. If you're stuck and you feel like this isn't the church for me and church leadership, here's the thing. That kind of attitude goes with you no matter what church you go to. The Lord would say that your calling and your gift, they come for me anyway. I called you. I have given you your gift. I am always with you. I will complete. If you feel broken, I, I fixed everything. Like, I, I like to say this, I say this in our group all the time, like, like broken people, that's God's speciality. It's what he does. You're hurt, that's, like, that's what I'm here for. This is precisely why I sent my son Jesus to the cross. Uh, so I want to go back into that story. So I would say my life was saved because people reached out to me and people loved me. And if you know, any, so like I said, I, I've been in church for a long time and, you know, I've done a bunch of different projects within church and uh, I, I've been on worship teams for forever. But the one thing that I enjoy more than anything, more than even speaking in front of people, like the one thing I enjoy more than anything is touching people's lives. I I get, I, I actually feel the pleasure of God on me when I'm with someone and I'm able to like love on someone or speak to them or hear them out. Uh, that, that's where I know I'm in the sweet spot of God. I know I'm called to that. Uh, and it's probably because that, that is where I got healed was in relationships because someone pulled me aside. Uh, you know, Mike and Linda King. Um, they saw something in me that no one else, I felt like no one else saw, besides my parents, my parents love me. Okay. But I'm saying like, I'll talk to I don't know if they're watching. I know you, I know you love me. Uh, but sometimes it takes sometimes a voice outside of family, right? And so Mike and Linda King, uh, were people, they were, they were a husband and wife team on the worship team. And for reasons I do not understand, they would invite me to their house. They would invite me to dinner. They would pay for a lot of things. Like they were literally showing me love. Uh, even with their finances, they let me live with them for a season. Uh, and they, they had the guts, even through all that love and affirmation to be like, Adam, that thing you just said was kind of corny. Adam, that thing you, you said was kind of wonky. Like they were there to even like direct me away from bad thinking. That is love. When you have someone that's able to say, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue this with you, but let me just tell you something because I think you're missing something here. That's love. It is good. Thank you, Shane. Uh, <laughs> that these are strongholds of experience where you just feel like, you know, I stuck then I'm gonna stuck later. Right. The second thing is, um, uh, I, I, the other kind of stronghold I see is uh, ones that are demonically inspired, right? <clears throat> Again, 
some of these things could be interwe interweaving and can overlap. But um, I want to I want to tell you another story. So put the other story to rest. Like through my relationship with Mike and Linda King, God God just brought me into right thinking because they were not afraid to say this is good, this is good. Now that that's bad, right? This is good. This is lucky. That's good. <clears throat> but the other thing I've noticed so. Before we came here, we were at a different fellowship, a really good fellowship in Poway. Uh, and we, we were there for a long time and we loved it, but we knew, Crystal and I knew that it was time for us to leave. Uh, we felt we were being directed by the Holy Spirit to, because we lived in Escondido and the church was in Poway. And we, we had a desire to live and serve in the community of Escondido since this is where we live. And so um, we we made that we made that move, uh, and we had really good, well-intended people say things to us, uh, and they didn't they didn't mean anything by it. But they you know they didn't want to they didn't want to see us leave, right? But they said things to us uh, that we struggled with it a little bit, and then we had to learn to put that thought in its rightful place. So about two years into Heart Church, and I noticed like the Lord was doing something within me. He was bringing out some leadership uh, qualities within me. Uh, he was doing the same thing with Crystal. Uh, we were um, iron sharpens iron. We were I was arguing things, not in a bad way, with, with Shane. Like we were just wrestling things through. God was all in that. And I knew that God was like shaping things and challenging things within me. <clears throat> uh, so two years in, I wake up one morning and I have this incredible thought as I literally, as I woke up, I hate you. And like, honestly, I don't hate me. And I couldn't think of anyone else who hated me. But that thought persisted throughout the day. And then the next day, as I was waking up, I heard, I heard with my own like spiritual ears, I hate you. And, and it followed me throughout the day. And I will tell you, like, I recognize that was the Lord. Like, that's not, that's not the Holy Spirit and it's not me, but I'm hearing, I'm hearing this every day. And I fought it, uh, within myself for, I don't know, a little over a year. And, uh, I'm really thankful for people like Josh and Shane. We were at a family function. And I don't know what we were talking about, but I was just like, enough is enough. And I just said, Josh, I just confessed something to you. And I shared, I said, for the last year and a half, every morning when I wake up, I hear a voice that says, I beat you. And, I, and so Shane asked the confession, like, do you hate yourself? I was like, no, I, I like me. I like me just fine, but I, I don't know where this is coming from. And we were like, uh, this is, this is the voice of the enemy. Here's the thing. When you, when you are on God's path and you're doing, and you're being obedient, the call of God on your life, you're going to get opposition. You're going to get pushback from the enemy. And like I said, I know the last time I talked here, I was talking about sometimes we just, we kind of don't talk about the devil too much, <clears throat> but there is an enemy that's out there that wants, that wants to kill you, that wants to see your, 
your life destroyed, wants to see your marriage destroyed, wants to see your relationship with your children dismantled. And, and we recognize this, this is an attack of the enemy to slow me down, maybe even take me out of the game, right? This is a stronghold, a thought that was demonically inspired. So right then and there, we got together and they just laid hands on me and they prayed and they spoke a word over me and it was awesome. And I was set free for like six weeks. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was an awesome six weeks. But you know what? That voice still comes occasionally. But I don't feel harassed by it. I feel just an agitation that I got to I gotta flick away, right? So here's the thing. If you're demonically uh, being attacked through, through words, through thoughts, and you know, like, you know, you know it's not coming from you, who knows that not every thought that comes in your head came from you anyway, right? Like the devil, he's crafty, he's lawless, and he's always speaking something to mess you up because he hates you, right? And that's, and that's what I was going through. But instead of feeling like, I'm feeling victimized by these words right, or, or, or anything of the sort. Um, it actually reminds me that I'm on the right path. That, the, that Satan feels like there's something worth resisting in me. So let's go to James 4.7. The reminder, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist. Don't give in. Uh, look, at come here. Put the pen. So <clears throat> resist. Push against me. If you want to push me down. You just resist. You just resist. My gosh. In my mind's eye, in my mind's eye, it was way more dramatic. We resist. I, you know, I, I, when, I, when those thoughts come, I tell, I tell the, the devil to go away. Get lost. I, I just say, um, that's, not, that's not you, Lord. You know, uh, I rebuke you. It's the only time you can tell something to go to hell. Say, that thought comes in, go back where, it came, where you came from. <clears throat> I would love uh, to bring us back to Mark 5. So um, Shane had uh, a story that he was sharing, and I love it, in, the, in chapter Mark, talking about the two daughters. Do you guys remember that? It was it's beautiful. But in the same chapter, before Jesus meets the daughters, he's like zooming around on Galilee in a boat. And at one particular uh, place, he goes to this, uh, this ed where there's a cliff that's over uh, Galilee and uh, and in this town is this, is this crazy guy. So I want to read this. They went, uh, they went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Imagine this with me. This man lived in the tombs, and, one, uh, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He was like busting the chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stone. I'm going to go up to verse 11. And so while that's happening, Jesus comes to this town. Uh, so while that's happening, there's uh, like this, uh, there's like this pig farm uh, along the side of a, of a cliff. And we were there. So those of you who are in Israel, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I, when we got there, like the very first thing I thought when we got off the bus was, man, it's hot. And then two, I, the other thing I thought was like, uh, I can't believe we were actually at the place where Jesus was. And what's, what's awesome about this location in all of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, there's only one cliff that hangs over uh, the body of water. So we know where this story is happening, we, we were right there. Uh, so Jesus uh, meets this man, and he's got a bunch of little Klingons and critters and demons uh, living in and all around him. And Jesus casts the demons out from him into this illicit pig farm which was right right on this cliff at the time, right? So he sends the legion of demons into the pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff down into the Sea of Galilee. And I just, I was just hanging out with the boogie of Avery. So when I say boogie, I'm talking about Avery. Sorry, Bubba. I just, now, our secret's out. All right. So, uh, so, but I remember just like being with Avery and I'm just like, can you imagine all of these pigs just falling down the cliff? Like, I would give anything. I would give anything to see 200 pigs fall down the cliff, right? Oh, no one from Pete. Hopefully, no one from Pete is here, but it's true. I would have loved to see 200 pigs falling down. It would have been remarkable uh, to see that. Uh, but what I want to point out, if you go to verse 14 and 15, uh, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town in countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there. He was dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. This is, this is what God cares about. God cares about our minds. God cares about being in our, in our right mind. And I think, I think some of you want that for yourself as well. I think there are people here who just love the Lord. You've loved the Lord for years. And you've, you've served him, you've served his people. But I think some of you have been like me and you've struggled with strongholds. Whether it's demonically inspired or they were just experiences that life has given you, and you just believe a tiny, tiny little lie that somehow has grown into a blue stop. Uh, I would say this entire series that Shane has done for you today is prophetic for specifically for our body. This is a great message for anybody, for anybody as believers, you know what I'm saying? But specifically for Heart Church, this, this is the word of God for us. 
it's very hard to move forward in freedom and clarity if you have a thorn in your mind. I believe God is brilliant. I believe God communicates well. I believe that God is using my 10 cent words to do bigger things into your heart right now. I think outside of Adam Ochoa, Jibber Jagger, and that's here, that the Holy Spirit is saying something about you, to you, about your life. And I think he is saying, I want to set you free. I want to set your mind free. God is saying, allow me to elevate your thinking. Move forward into me. And let me give you my thoughts about you. This is why life groups are vital. Because if we live alone and we have no one challenging us, then we're alone with our thoughts. And we have no one to share these things with. But in life group and in community, you'll see Jesus. You'll, you'll see the freedom that you need. And I'm telling you, there are, you don't want, there are some Wednesdays you just don't want to go. And I'm telling you, those thoughts are not necessarily your own. Push. Push into Jesus. Push into community. Find out what the love of God has to say for your life. So I want to pray. Uh, I wrote this up. It's a prayer of deliverance. It's a prayer of deliverance for all of us. Because as we move forward in Heart Church, we need to be free, man. How is it we're able to minister to people when we're afflicted? Right? And I feel like God is saying, I'm going to break this stuff off of you so you can give a fresh, pure word to those around you. Amen. All right. So can we just do this one thing? Can we stand up? And I'm going to pray this over you and just be in agreement with me. Dear Lord, we come before you in agreement by the powerful name of Jesus. Your scriptures tell us that if two or more are gathered in your name, you are right here with us. And anything we agree upon touching, you will surely do. Today, this morning, we pray for divine clarity to see the strongholds and lies that have kept us from walking in freedom uh, you have made available to us. Forgive us knowingly or unknowingly, allowing the enemy to strategically place and plant his lies in our hearts and minds. We bind and rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. We see those thoughts for what they are lies. We reject those lies and look to you for a better word for our lives. Your word is powerful, God, and it contains freedom and victory. God, we ask you to replace those thoughts and attitudes with your thoughts and perspectives. We praise you that your spirit is working in our lives, and you are right now answering our prayers. All of this praise 
by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you.